Hello, and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our hearts to believe that we might glorify your name and enjoy you forever. Amen. Good Christian friend reminded me that uh, it's not what we are driving or not what I am driving that's important, but what is driving me. As I think about what truly matters, I tell the story about seven Russian soldiers during the war between Russia and Finland in 1938. An officer named Nordenberg was given the task of guarding seven captured Roman, uh, sorry, Russian soldiers, a little later than that, uh, who were being held in the basement of the town hall of Rovaniemi. His troops were drunk with success and they taunted uh, the soldiers, the captured soldiers, with the words, tomorrow you will die. The prisoners in turn were distraught and beat their fists on the walls until they were bloodied. It was Sunday night and the execution was to take place on the Monday. However, one prisoner by the name of Koskinen made no such protest. He sat for some time and then started to sing quietly. All present thought that he had gone mad until they heard the words he was singing, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love, O shadowed sweetly, my soul shall rest. Hark, tis the voice of angels, born in a song to me, over the fields of jasper, over the crystal sea. One of his comrades angrily protested and asked, Koskinen, if he was trying to make them all religious, Koskinen replied that it would be wrong for him to hide his belief. He went on to tell the story of how that he had first heard the song only weeks before from the Salvation Army and how in a dream on Saturday night he'd remembered that his mother had sung, uh, uh, had sung and prayed to Jesus After the dream, he felt compelled to ask Jesus for forgiveness and to prepare him for their imminent meeting. Koskinen said he experienced an incredible peace and was no longer afraid of what lie ahead. He could not get that song out of his mind, safe in the arms of Jesus. Another comrade declared that he wanted peace with God too, but felt that that was impossible because he had uh, blood on his hands and that he had profaned the name of God. The soldier asked Koskinen uh, to uh, pray for him and both men dropped to their knees and prayed. Soon all of the men were quiet and likewise prayed for one another's eternal life in Jesus Christ. Nordenberg, the captain of the guard, was truly astonished by the transformation and soon the guards uh, joined in the ensuing sing 
singing of many choruses. No one slept that night. At sunrise, Nordenberg was faced with the unenviable and unavoidable task. The seven Russian soldiers were marched out and after being allowed to sing one more time, safe in the arms of Jesus, with their face, faces uncovered and their hands raised to heaven, they were executed. As a result of that day, Nordenberg's life was transformed and he too found salvation in Jesus Christ and peace with God. At the end of the day, only one thing mattered. We open God's word this morning and uh, as we look through uh, God's written word, uh, it's easy and maybe sometimes uh, strange what drives people's lives, uh, what really turns their crank as it were. And I just want to look at uh, a few examples of this this morning. What was driving the life of Christ? And uh, we read that, uh, or part of that, and we've sung already part of that story. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. This is from John's Gospel in chapter 10. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. We consider the things that happen in life. God is not a God of random actions. He's a God who plans and has planned from the beginning. He planned that we would be here this day. We've had read to us the, uh, the reading from uh, 1 Corinthians, that uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the Corinthians church was established in a community that was uh, filled uh, with a lot of immorality. And it's interesting that uh, forcefully Paul wanted to remind his readers that this was the gospel that was preached and this is the gospel upon which people have staked their lives. Otherwise, Paul says, you have believed in vain. And he goes on to say, what I received I passed on to you uh, as the f of the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to Scripture. And then Paul goes on to uh, show the truth of that and the validity of that uh, statement because of all of the witnesses who saw Christ alive after uh, he was crucified. What was the scripture that Jesus fulfilled? There are many. Uh, as we read the entire Bible, we see that uh, Christ fulfilled uh, scripture. He said he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And um, 
the one scripture that particularly uh, Christ was fulfilling when he went to the cross uh, was from Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and who has the arm of the Lord, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot as a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, a man familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our affirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was trust, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. And then at the end, therefore, I will give him a position among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercessor, intercession for the transgressors. Christ went to the cross to fulfill and he said during his life on earth that the Son of Man must go the way uh, that is said of him. And again we read in part of Psalm 16, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body, will not rest, my, body will, my body also will rest secure because you have not abandoned me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. For you have known, made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the promise by which Christ went to the cross for you and for me, knowing that he would not be abandoned to the grave. And in believing in him, we also will not be abandoned to the grave. Even while dying in agony on the cross, Jesus methodically went through, if you read scripture, he methodically went through every scripture that was written about him and fulfilled it. He did not give up his life until scripture was fulfilled. Jesus glorified his Father by opening the way for all people, uh, the Israelites, the Gentiles, to enter the kingdom of God, you and me. I wonder then what uh, was driving uh, Mary and uh, Martha as uh, when Jesus came to, uh, to visit them. We're all driven by something. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and uh, this is the time when Jesus uh, 
put his heart and his eyes on uh, Jerusalem and uh, steadfastly was travelling there. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her house to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came in and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we have two different motivations there, both honourable. Martha was the owner of the household. It was her responsibility to uh, provide a meal for the disciples, for Jesus, for his followers. And uh, there she was preparing uh, that meal. Mary had a different motivation. And uh, I'll talk a little later on that. I wonder what the one thing that was driving Paul's life after his account encounter with Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it, that one moment Paul is breathing out fire and persecuting those of the way. And then after his conversion, he made this statement as he wrote in Philippians. Uh, Paul became a sold out Christian and wrote, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this, but, uh, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself uh, yet to have taken hold uh, of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Something changed in Paul's life. His motivation, what was driving him, was his hatred of Christ and the way, and now he has become a follower. It's interesting, isn't it, that he says he is straining. (laughs) And I wonder in our Christian walk, are we straining also towards the goal for which God has called us heavenward? What must we do? And where does the truth come from that will drive our lives to where our Heavenly Father wants us to be? Mary found it by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Being organised and working to help others is not wrong and Jesus was not condemning Martha. Mary had chosen the best and the better. Mary wanted to hear Jesus while he was still with them. Paul found it on the road to Damascus, and we know about the conversion that happened there. The disciples found it in the presence of Jesus when they asked the question, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work God requires is this, to believe in the one 
he has sent. We read that in John's Gospel. There is work and sacrifice involved in believing. Today there's a lot of fear and speculation and I imagine that you've experienced that about what the world holds for our children, for ourselves, for our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren in some cases. There seems to be so many voices speaking into people's lives. And yet, Paul lived in similar circumstances and preached the good news about the one who was and is the way, the truth and the life, Jesus Christ. Friends, there is a bright future. We have God's word for that. Everything we need to know about God's will for our lives has been written down in Scripture and illuminated, brought to life by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the truth about the glory of the empty cross of Christ and the living Christ of the cross. The truth that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. The truth that God is our life and our destiny for all eternity. I wonder if this is what Jesus might say to us if we were sitting at his feet today, as we read in Matthew's Gospel. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anybody give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Or I wonder if he might say this to us, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin can destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, how do we store up that treasure in heaven? What is waiting for us in heaven? In his book, the man, in his book, Man, the Dwelling Place of God, A.W. Tozer wrote these words about such treasure. Only what we do in God will remain to us at last. God puts immortality in all our loving efforts for him and shares his eternity with all who love and trust him. It's only what we have committed here on earth to God that is stored up for us in heaven. We can do good deeds, and there is nothing wrong with that, but to do them for the glory of God and not for our glory, not for our praise, but for God's praise. It is what we have committed to God that is there in all eternity for us to enjoy and to live with God in his glory. The Apostle Paul confirmed this, and we sing a song about this, don't we? I know what I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, and that day is the day when Paul was looking forward to being in the Lord's presence. 
There are many good deeds, but what we have committed, but what have we committed to the Lord? What is being stored up for you and for me in heaven? One final word from Jesus, as we read in Matthew's Gospel, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has, will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. I leave you with the question, what is driving your life? What is driving my life today? Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message to us, your word to us, your word made living in Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that we might fulfill the purpose for which you give us life to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. We pray that you might continue to strengthen us as we read scripture, as we see again your mighty story of salvation for all people, Jew and Gentile. And we thank you that you have given us the gift of faith to believe and have included us in your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.